Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 60 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan My name is Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter And I am Ethan, you can find me on Twitter at Viva Ethan 60 is... Not as difficult as I thought it was because once I started scrolling through all the different cars that ran mm-hmm. a number 60, it was very obvious which one I was going to pick. Uh, who do you have as a driver who drove number 60? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Travis Pastrana in that really multicolored uh, Xfinity car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that real ugly one. <laughs> yeah, the ugly one for sure. Um, wasn't it like a, a Ford performance? Uh, sponsored car or something like that? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it said like it was that neon yellow, pink, mm-hmm. blue one and I remember it said danger on the side, so I'm not <laughs> sure what that means, but here we are. The one I think about is from the mid-90s in the uh, same series, the Bush series from back then. Mm-hmm. Mark Martin. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That dominated back then. I mean, he was the best Bush driver of all time. I mean, that sounds funny, but he was the best Bush Grand National driver of all time. <laughs> yeah. For a long time he was, and then Kyle Bush came along. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but, Kyle, yeah, it seemed like every single week he was out there because he didn't race them all by no means. And every single week he was out there, it's like the only way he would lose is if he beat himself. Right. Because I remember distinctly one race. I don't remember what track it was. It was a short track. It might have been Wilkesboro. But there was one race. Or could have been Bristol as well. I where, think it was Bristol. Yeah. Bristol pops my mind too. Where he dominated the race. Yeah. Led so many laps. And then a caution came out with like three laps to go. Wasn't no overtime rule back then. I think it was like 94, yeah. 95. I think it was 95. And... He uh, takes the white flag and he's going down the back straightaway and he's got his hand out and he's waving. He's waving to other drivers. Other drivers are coming up to him, congratulating for the win and stuff like that. And he comes down pit road in turn three. Yeah. And <laughs> his spotter's screaming, Mark, stay out, stay out. It's not over, but it's too late. He's already on pit road. He's right. lost the race. He pulled in pit road. He, he, he was so, he was so, I think David Green won the race. I think David mm-hmm. Green, the 44 Slim Jim car won the race. Yep. But, he was, he was so. I know his crew was aggravated as all get out. Like they were so mad. But Mark, what was he going to do? He was like, 
He's like, well, the driver was stupid. And the driver went down pit road when he thought that white flag was a checker flag. Right. So he went down pit road and he lost his race. <laughs> Could you imagine losing a race like that, dominating the race and then just, I, you know, made a mistake and thought the race was over, comes down pit road to go to victory lane and he doesn't win the race. <laughs> he, um, I don't think it bothered him too bad because he had won so much in the Bush series. Right. Yeah. You know, he more just choked it up as like, that's something funny that I've never right. done before that I'll never do again. <laughs> Probably hasn't oh. been done in NASCAR history. <laughs> right. Oh man. And he was laughing about it after the race. He's like, that was, that was so stupid. <laughs> now, if that yeah. was like, and you were going for a, an actual championship in the series. Yeah. You know, be mad about that. Be, be really mad at yourself and, and learn from that and all that. But Mark Martin was a veteran and he had already won so much in cup finished second so many times in the championship mm -hmm. and won so many uh bush series races how are you gonna be mad right it's just like oh well <laughs> i'll tell you i i would definitely be mad for sure i'd i'd be mad if it was cup i wouldn't be too mad if it was bush if i was in his situation i wouldn't be mm -hmm. too mad but we um we got a little bit to talk about this weekend we uh, have Gateway to talk about. Yeah. So there was a, a an issue that popped up during this race. It was an exploding brake rotor issue. My goodness. I haven't seen exploding brake rotors in a long time. And they're, they're saying, from what I hear, they're saying that the reason why they were having so much trouble with these brake rotors is because the straightaways are so long that it that it, and they go so fast that it cools the brake rotors down, and then they jam really hard on the brakes going into the corner, and right. it heats them right back up, and it, and it goes through those cycles. It's three hundred laps, so that's a six hundred cycle race under green. You know, it, it's yeah. hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, constant, 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 and some of these drivers. Uh, some of the teams, they just, for some reason, it can't be the team thing, though, because they can't do anything special to the car. So this is right. all 100% NASCAR, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I gathered, for sure. It scared me when I saw brake rotors were exploding, because the last brake rotor I really remember exploding uh, killed J.D. McDuffie. Yeah. That was a uh, 1991 Watkins Glen. And he went before they had the interlude. They didn't have the interlude yet. This is why they have the interlude. It's because of JD McDuffie. Right. But that was the fastest part of the racetrack. And he hit the brakes real hard and the brakes exploded, went through the firewall and hit him in the chest. Mm. And he went barreling off into a tire barrier, flipped over. And Jimmy means, I think come underneath them. And, and uh, I think it was Jimmy means I could be wrong, but Jimmy Means come and uh, barreled off. Uh, he blew a tire with the debris. And he barreled off underneath them and hit the tires and literally like went under his car. Right. And it was in the air. Uh, that, that was early in the 1991 Watkins Glen race. And that's the last time I remember brake, brake rotors fall. Fly, ugh, I can't talk. Brake rotors failing. And right. that's a little concerning with that. But yeah. I'm curious why it's only happened at gateway 
because New Hampshire is very, very similar to Gateway. You know, why haven't we had this problem there? Right. That's kind of what I was thinking, honestly. I mean, they they have the same. It's, a, it's they're both a mile, right? Uh, Gateway believe, a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, I think Gateway is just a smidge more than a mile. I think like, I don't know. I don't know what it, exactly it is, but it's a little, just a tad over a mile. Well, this is the issue. I don't know what it is, but the the banked tracks like Dover uh, that are a mile long, you know, the, the high bank tracks, uh, even the mile and a half, like Kansas, Chicago, when it was there, you know, these tracks like that, they don't seem as deadly right. as the flat miles. Something about New Hampshire and Gateway, when you have an issue going in a corner, there's, I don't know what, I, maybe it's just the banking not being able to catch you. Maybe, I, I have no idea what it is, but there's some scary crashes when you have brake failure or throttle failure going yeah. into the corners at a flat one mile racetrack. Cause they, I mean, they haul the mail down the straightaways. Yeah. I mean, I, it has to be the, like the most helpless feeling ever, you know, especially like a Noah Gregson that panics and doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it was, um, Oh, Carson Hosevar did the exact right thing. You know, it blew in the middle of the straightaway. He got, went straight up to the wall, tried to hit the wall as soon as he could to, not do like what Noah Gregson did. Uh, Noah Gregson's wreck was terrifying. Yeah, it was. Actually. It was. Did you uh, did you happen to hear his uh, post wreck interview? Uh, I know he was about in tears over. It. I mean, so this guy. I mean, Noah Gregson. You could tell that he was just out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, and at first, I thought he was just really upset, which I would be too. But I mean, let's be yeah, honest. I thought not, I thought he got real shook up. But, like, more emotionally yeah. than physically. Yeah. And then, like, they were asking him stuff. And then he's just talking about how he's really excited about the po or the uh, offseason. How he's like, oh, yeah, we, we can't wait, wait for the offseason. Well, sorry to tell you, pal. You still got five more months. You know, some of that might be uh, all the crap going on right now at Legacy. Mm -hmm. And with him not being completely there, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it just kind of came out. Yeah. You know, like can't wait to the off season. We can start working on these Toyotas or, you know, right. uh, get some different personnel in there and, and really do something different, you know, do some sponsor changes. Something. Like he, he really can't wait until the off season, but there's something they're all talked about internally. But now you have a driver that's uh, not quite in all his capabilities at the moment with a live mic right. cursing after the wreck, just ran, just throwing out random words that you shouldn't be saying on a PG broadcast mm -hmm. and um, talking about the off season. I was like, they, you know, you can tell when a driver isn't all there, like he's not a hundred percent in control of what he's doing. Right. You probably should take a little responsibility and get the mic out of his face. For sure. Yeah. This is not, sensationalist news this is a sport with a bunch of people that for the most part the fans respect every single dang one of them right i mean we have our favorites and we have people we don't like but we also know the dangers that they all go through and when we see something like that remember when jimmy johnson blew a tire at, at brickyard 
uh, it was off turn four, and he oh, smacked yeah. the wall like just wide open. He come right down pit road and got out of his car because it was right there. He got out of his yeah. car and climbed out, and they interviewed him. He didn't make any sense whatsoever. Right. And they just stuck the microphone right in his face, and it was so scary to watch. Why do we do that? Like I, they also did it with Casey Kane, and that was a really awkward, very awkward interview. Like he just very short mm-hmm. and very like to the point. So I can't tell. A lot of people are saying that Casey Kane in that interview had a concussion, and you could tell it, or like he was just really insanely upset and just did not want to talk. Well, see, <laughs> it's a fine line you got to walk there. You know, like you can't be not getting the motion. Because you need the emotion. That's that's what right. that's it's drama. Sports are drama. That's what they are. It's a male soap opera. You know, it's and, it, and it's all being played out live in real time, whether it's scripted or not. You know, you call wrestling, you know, a soap opera and all that. Obviously, racing and and a bunch of I don't know, I'll say most sports are not scripted. Um, right. There might be some messing around rules wise to change some things. But as far as the actual action on the courts, on the fields, on the tracks, that's not scripted. These guys are out there, raw emotion, raw talent, doing absolutely everything they can to better their personal situation. So you want to see that emotion out of these right. guys, but there's a, you gotta be more, you gotta be more aware of what you're getting. You yeah, know, I mean, absolutely. Could you could you imagine scripting something at 160 miles an hour? <laughs> I always thought I always thought laughed at that uh that whole deal when Dale Jr. won the Pepsi 400, saying it's like, well, Jimmy Smith's like, well, we all knew who was going to win that race. It's like I, you just opened up a whole can of worms. Like, yeah. obviously their cars were good because they won Daytona, and then they didn't they went no they didn't win Talladega that year, but then they won like four or five more straight restricted places restricted yeah. races after that you know and dale jr won several more times at daytona obviously right. they were really good at it at that moment you know and then you have a motivated driver like jr he was on a mission to win that race that'd be everybody knew that and everybody knew they were going to have to beat that eight car and then jimmy spencer oh, says sure. something like well you know who was going to win that race before it even started it's like well he wasn't saying it was scripted but it sure came out like that you know, and we both yeah. know good and well that wasn't scripted. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the most like feel good mm-hmm. Cinderella stories that NASCAR's ever seen. And I think, honestly, when I first heard that, um, I thought Jimmy was saying like, "Well, we know who's going to win because it's not going to be me." <laughs> you know, I mean that that was the most obvious thing. It's Jimmy Spencer was he was way better at talking than he was an actual race car driver. So yeah. it doesn't really surprise me very much. Yeah, he did win a race once. Once, yep. I That's think it awesome. was a, it was either Pepsi 400 or Talladega. It was one of those two in the yeah, mid nineties. So, I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of those two. He won. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't, proud of don't him. know if he won in the Xfinity or Bush Series. I'm sure he did. I'm sure yeah, he did. Actually, now I think about it, I'm positive he did. Uh, but all right, let's see. Let's talk about you know real quick before we get back in the gateway. There is one moment I do feel was completely 100% scripted in NASCAR that was solely based on the circumstances that led to it. Like, it wouldn't have been scripted if it had fell a different way. In 1992, 
the very last race for Richard Petty at Daytona. He wins the pole. Mm -hmm. Right. That part's not scripted. You have to physically beat 40 other guys out there. He right. won the pole. Awesome for him. Ain't no telling what they did to that car to shave a little tenth or two down. You know, maybe NASCAR said, okay, whatever. You know, it's his last year. He's the king. He's a legend. Let him. He's got the right. pole. He went out there, qualified faster. Than he got the pole. We're not going to fight it. Well, he got out there, and everybody in the field proceeded to follow right behind him for the first lap. And Richard Petty led the first lap of his last Daytona race. That was, yeah, <laughs> that was, that, that was everybody behind Richard Petty saying, we just going to let him have this first lap. Aren't we? We're just going to let him lead. Right. Sure. Yeah. Let's let him lead one. I mean, his his last race. He's the King. Let him lead. Let him lead his last race. He won't win it. You know, we'll pass him on lap <sighs> two or three or whatever. Yeah. But let him lead. And everybody just followed right behind him and let him lead. And if that was the case, then I'm okay with people like drivers letting someone lead the first lap rather than the last lap. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was, that was something unique and special and all that. And I totally get that. And uh, at the time watching it, I didn't feel that, but watching it back and then hearing some people talk about it, I was like, yeah, I see. I see what yeah. they did and I'm okay with it. For sure. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit more about gateway. So, I figured out who won last year. We couldn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny is we should have known that because every time NASCAR goes to a new racetrack for cup series, it's always Joey Logano who wins the inaugural race. And then Kyle Busch always wins the next year. Like Bristol dirt. Joey Logano wins the first one. Kyle Busch wins the second one gateway. Joey Logano wins the first one. Kyle Busch wins the second one. I think, uh, the only exception is the LA Coliseum where Joey Logano won last season. And then uh, it was Martin Truex Jr. who won this season. Kyle Busch had a chance though. Didn't yes, he run second? He did. Second or third. Yeah, he got <laughs> he had a wiped out. He got wiped out by Joey Logano. So oh, I mean, but he come back, didn't. didn't he? Didn't he come like uh, I thought he came came uh, roaring back to try to get back to him. Yeah, he probably did, and then just kind of ran out of time or something. <laughs> but yeah. He was good though. He had a shot at it. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, Kyle Busch wound up winning the race this week, and yes, I know sir. you're excited about that. Yes, sir. My very excited. My driver is having a couple of tough weeks. There's something. Yeah. Like last week, he got some damage on pit road, and that kind of messed his arrow up, and or maybe broke or bent something. Something happened where he went from a top eight car to running like to the the low twenties. You know, sure. so it's like, okay, that, that stuff happens. But this week, they just, they didn't have it. And I feel that's weird because last year, I feel like they did have it here. And the only reason they didn't go any, you know, get any higher in the finishing orders because that messed with Hamlin. Right. Yeah, I mean, I felt like he was pretty good last year. I'm not wrong in that, right? He, he was pretty competitive yeah. last year here, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, with the whole Hamlin thing, it kind of took him up, um, you know, a little, uh, a little bit out mm -hmm. of it. But he got back. Uh, yeah. Didn't he get back back to a top ten out of it. I thought he did. Uh, are you talking about yeah, last, last year? year? Oh, I'm not sure. I, I want to say he finished the top ten, but I mean, I would believe that this year. Sure. Man, Ross Chastain's just last couple of races. Uh, they need to 
they need to figure something out because all of a sudden they went from leading the points to running eighth in the points. Right. And he's second in the standings of people that have not won yet. And there's not a whole lot right. of those spots available. You know, I think you got what six, five or six spots right now mm. of people that have not won a race yet. And as the year goes along, some of those spots will get filled up. You know, if you don't yeah. win. So he needs to um he, they need to figure something out over there. Especially when we trash on Legacy Motor Club almost every week and Eric Jones finished two spots higher. I'm sorry, three spots higher than Ross Chastain did. Um, you know, for the performance that they had last year, uh, during the whole season, you know, with Daniel Suarez winning at Sonoma, um, Chastain getting that win at Coda and then Talladega. I mean, you would think that, you know, that would be a lot of momentum coming into the season and he just hasn't really been there and neither has Daniel Suarez, which is not a surprise to anybody, but I mean, I don't know. It's just something's not clicking over there. Well, the track house thing, I feel like he hasn't been there lately because yeah. he was a points leader up until this past week. You I, know, I, yeah, I'll give yeah, you that. He, he had a shot to win a couple of races. You don't get a shot to win every single race. I mean, right. even Kyle Larson's not getting a shot to win every single race. Yeah. Right. I mean, at least he's not crashing out of them like Larson is, you know? So right. if usually tries Chastain to finish uh, in the top 10 and then he'll have a shot at a win and he'll lead the most laps or, or he'll, and he'll relegate himself to a second or third place. Maybe he'll get up to a top five the next week and then he'll finish in the top 10 again. So he's fairly consistent 10th to fourth or so this year so far with an outside shot to win a race or two. Mm. But yeah, the last couple of weeks, they just, they got to get back in sync. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, 100%. He does have a road course coming up and he just, he's fairly good at road courses. So maybe, uh, I don't know how good he is at Sonoma specifically. Cause that one's that one. You don't really put in the same category as like the Indy road course or Coda. You know, with or even Watkins Glen, with a lot of fast straights and hard, uh, hard turns. You don't. Yeah. Sonoma's not like that. Sonoma's more like a finesse type road course with a lot of elevation changes. You yeah, know, and, for sure. And the only real hard breaking corner they have is that uh, hair clip at the very end of the racetrack. Yeah, turn mm -hmm. eleven. That's a. Complete 180 degree corner. <laughs> yes, it really is. And that's where we see a lot of the drama too. Um, so gateway, is there anything else we really need to talk about gateway? Was well, um, so we talked about brake rotors. Let's talk about um, oh man, I was so excited about dude him. was dude was going. I mean, he was yeah, he was solid. I was happy for him. I mean, I've always been like I won't say I'm a fan. I'm not going to go out. I wasn't buy stuff or anything, but you're always like, you got those drivers that you keep an eye on and you kind of root for. And host of ours always kind of yeah. been one of those with me. That's like with uh, De Benedetto, you know, I always had that driver. I was like, he's one of those I'd like to see kind of break through and get something done. I'm kind of rooting for him. Kind of like the underdog guy, you know, and host right. of ours like that now. And he got his cup cup debut 
this week, uh, subbing in for Corey LaJoy, who was subbing in for Chase Elliott. That didn't go the way I figured it would. It went the way you figured oh, it would. Yeah. But I figured he would at least be competitive for a 10th. <laughs> but, yeah. man, Josh Berry did so much better in that car. <laughs> Yeah, so I think honestly, I think Corey LaJoy. Now, I mean, I can't say this because obviously, if Corey LaJoy was driving the seven, he would have broke, he would have, uh, you know, had that uh brake rotor issue, mm -hmm. I'm guessing. But, um, I feel like he would have had a better shot in the seven car than he did in the nine car, which is wild to say. Maybe so, maybe it's all just chemistry and stuff, but I don't know. It's kind of that's kind of rough for Corey LaJoy, right? you get your chance in major equipment championship winning equipment and yeah you kind of just crap the bed mm -hmm. like that and you just uh do we want to give him a shot in that that kind of equipment again or do we just want to keep him at that level with the seven and if he wins with the seven one day at atlanta or talladega or daytona or something like that good for him yeah, but maybe it was the wrong track. Maybe if he had taken that nine to Talladega, he could have done something. Maybe he would have been competing for a win because it it has won at Talladega before, and he's really good at that kind of stuff. So maybe it was just the the wrong circumstances for it. Right. I I mean I could absolutely see that. It's I mean Gateway is such a tough racetrack. Anyways, it kind of reminds me of like like you alluded to earlier, like a New Hampshire and Darlington had a love child. Yeah. It would be Gateway. So you had picked who'd you pick this week? As your, oh, your you would ask me that. oh no, who did I pick? <laughs> uh I picked have it wrote down. Uh Joey Logano. Okay. Um ironically, because I don't think you even knew he won last year's race. <laughs> that is very true. I totally forgot until we were in the middle of the race. And I was like, Oh, yeah, when yeah, they said it, they said it in pre race, like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, it worked out for me. I got a top three out of it, so third place there. So that's a, a couple points to the good after having a 31st place finish at Darlington and a 30th at Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte. So third place would be, you know, it's pretty good. So I'm, I was pretty excited about it. Well, I was looking okay for a good portion of it. Not as good as I thought it would, it would be. It's, I picked Bubba Wallace because he was on a roll. He had had yeah. three straight points-paying top five finishes and a fourth straight top five finish at the All-Star Race. That's yeah. incredible. That's a streak. And I'm like, I want to ride a little bit on that streak. You know, was, Gateway isn't necessarily his type of track. But, mm -hmm. I mean, let's see what happens. It, when you're rolling, you're rolling. It really doesn't matter what track you're at, usually. You know, so... Yeah. I and he ran... 14th, 15th all day long. And I was like, well, this ain't good. And then he got up to 10th. And I was like, okay, well, I can salvage a little something out of this. And then what happened? He he wrecked at the end, didn't he? It was uh, what? Bubba was Walls? it a brake rotor again? Yeah, it was a brake rotor for him and Tyler Reddick. Oh, yeah. that was a. It seemed like that was a Toyota issue for a minute. But yeah, it was kind of just everybody, well, though. Yeah, it was... Uh, my, I believe it was four drivers all had brake rotor explosions, which was Carson Hosovar in a Chevy. Um, oh no, Bubba in a Toyota, Tyler in a Toyota, and Gregson. uh, Noah mm -hmm. Gregson in a Chevy. So, fours were okay, but 
Chevy ultimately had the win. And speaking of wins, congratulations to Justin and Drew for both picking up wins by choosing uh, Kyle Busch at Gateway. Uh, really fast, I will go through the point standings after Gateway. Uh, Justin obviously uh, extends his lead with three wins now. 48 points ahead of second place Matt that has one win. Drew is setting in third with two point uh, two wins. John Brown is fourth with one win. RJ has made his way all the way back up to fifth with two wins. That's really remarkable because he was all the way down to, I think, 14th there for a while. So he's already back in the top five. Uh, Soda, you have dropped down to sixth with two wins, which is still really good. Uh, Josh J is seven, uh, seventh with one win. I have made my way up to eighth, which is not that good with one win. Jessica is ninth with one win. Billy rounds out the top 10 with zero wins yet. Uh, so far, I'm sure he's probably he's knocking on the door of a win here anytime. Tim is setting 11th with three wins. Rock with one win is in 12th. Caitlin is 13th with one win. Nicole has yet to find that win, but I'm sure it's coming because she's she has stellar picks and she's being very strategic about it because I'm watching her picks and she's she, it's all there. It's just can't seem to get yeah. the puzzle pieces in the right it's spot. But the wrong week. In, she picked a good driver, but she picked the wrong week. Just, exactly. Yeah. You know, but I I feel like she's not done yet. She's gonna make a a, a a heavy comeback here soon, and she's sending fourteenth. Jody is—he's uh, not last. He's <laughs> making his way. He is charging his way up with one win. He is fifteenth, and Joe just has the crappiest luck. Uh, Joe rounds out the top sixteen, or the top sixteen uh, rounds out the field in sixteenth. Also, Joe thinking about you. I think he's um, dealing with a lot of air air problems. Mm -hmm. Where uh, wherever he lives at with the Canadian uh, wildfires. Oh Lord! <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah, not good over there. But yeah, yeah, I I haven't been following a whole lot about that story. I I need to do a little more research research on it. Oh, I see on Twitter nowadays is conspiracy theories. You know, and I see like the the satellite images of the the fires in Quebec, and they all just pop up at the same time, and they're like. Why did they right. all just pop up at the same time? What set them all off? I was like, okay, Twitter needs to calm down with the conspiracy. Right. Stuff. <laughs> like, quit yeah, playing into my 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 wants here. Like, I I love the conspiracy <laughs> stuff. Quit, just stop it. Not everything is a conspiracy. Some things right, are. I get it, but not everything is. Okay, just I don't need everything to be a conspiracy. Let me choose my conspiracies. But yeah, definitely, right. and we're, we're thinking of him. If, He's, in, he's anywhere near all that mess. Jeez. Yeah, I think I, I want to say uh, now I could be wrong. It's either Joe or Matt. I'm not. I, I'm pretty sure it was Joe that tweeted something about it. Uh, I know Matt. I want to say Matt is up there uh, northern like New York area. Mm -hmm. I, I might be. That might be a true story I just made up. I'm not quite sure. Um, but go, kind of going back to Gateway and just trying to you know kind of go through it because man time time is of the essence tonight <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know i've i've recently went to overnights so we're recording this about 30 minutes before i have to clock in so um that we actually had a couple little instances with some drivers having beef with each other in the xfinity series it was uh chandler smith versus jeb burton uh when they raced at portland i don't know if you watched that race or not i, I really didn't get to 
we were in the middle of moving everything in this house because I am moved in now. Yeah, um, that's awesome for one. <laughs> uh, about time, I for know, sure. Right? Um, <laughs> so uh, Chandler Smith, I don't know. I mean, it's road course racing. You know, it's everybody dive bombs, turn one, trying to get the best position, wheel hops and contacts made. But uh, I think it was right around the end of the race. Uh, Chandler Smith was trying to get around Jeb Burton. Jeb Burton was having a fantastic race, uh, obviously in an underdeveloped team with Jordan Jordan Anderson Racing. Uh, just scored a win at Talladega a couple weeks ago. Um, but I guess after the race, I don't know. Chandler Smith pretty much shipped him into, uh, I think, turn one. Couldn't get it done. Jeb actually did a really good job of saving it and then kept on going. But uh, he went off course a little bit, but he came back in front of Chandler Smith, pretty much giving him the option of, of going after it again. And that's exactly what Chandler Smith did. Uh, kind of cocked back and he, he went for it in the, the next turn and he uh, eventually got him spun around. And after the race, uh, Jeb Burton went up to him and I guess there were some punches thrown or something. And <laughs> it was so funny because Jeb Burton was on Twitter. I guess the way it sounded like Jeb Burton was trying to convince everybody that he beat the crap out of uh, Chandler Smith. And I don't know if you saw that video that Chandler Smith made, but it was fantastic. It was had the little, I don't know the sound effects and it just pretty much made fun of it. But Jeb Burton was on Twitter saying stuff like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, Chandler Smith had, you know, had to go to the in care, in care field, oh my gosh, <laughs> in field care center. Uh, I don't know if it was because he wasn't feeling good or if I rocked him too hard or something, something like that. And, uh, Chandler Smith's video. He, oh man, it was so, so funny. It was a real battle of nutrition, huh? Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second i, should, I so, so meant to bring that up last week and i completely forgot about it yeah i uh so the, <laughs> normally in the cup series uh soda and i will be texting each other throughout the race like oh did you see that or whatever and uh i don't know what i said but I, it was, uh, it was I about the charlotte the race it was about the coke 600 that's right yeah and i i text him i said man, this race is going to be a battle of nutrition. And you said, was that a typo? And I was like, no. You have to ask with same. you because you don't, you didn't know zebras were real. <laughs> and you have to ask. I, I was like, does he think that's the actual phrase? Battle of nutrition? I, 100%. <laughs> like, I 100% did not believe so, uh, soda was a real thing. I didn't think soda was a real thing. I didn't think zebras were a real thing until a couple weeks ago. That's legit. Uh, I thought the saying was, it's going to be a battle of nutrition. I guess I'm wrong. It's not nutrition. It's attrition. Yeah. So uh, you very kindly uh, corrected me on that, and I was mind-boggled. I was like, well, I've been saying that for 29 years, so good to know it now. <laughs> I so meant to bring it up last week, and I forgot. I was so mad at myself when we stopped recording. I was like, oh, man. No. That was the first thing you said. I was going to name <laughs> the episode battle. I'm naming this episode battle of nutrition. I was gonna. Name I would it, be offended if I was you gonna didn't. name it that whole episode last week because this one was kind of a battle of nutrition with the no brake rotors failing and all that. So, um, uh, some <laughs> more beef that we had in the Cup Series was Austin Dillon versus Austin Cindric, which was kind of funny because I saw it happen, but I, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I was distracted doing something. I don't know if I was getting up to use the restroom or if I was getting up to go get something out of the fridge or something like that. But I remember looking at the screen when they were doing a slow-mo uh, of the contact, and I thought to myself, 
well, I'm going to go do this one thing really fast and, and I'll go catch the replay when they play it 30 times after this one. Mm-hmm. And they never did. Well, then you can go on Twitter like, oh. and find it a million times. I don't ever worry about missing well, the replay. See, that was the thing. I went to Twitter and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find any of the replays. And I was like, well, what happened? So I'm, I'm hearing, you know, Austin Dillon and he was upset. And then I'm hearing Austin Dillon say something about how Cedric needs to be uh, parked mm-hmm. next week and all this stuff. And it wasn't until Austin Cedric actually did exactly what Denny Hamlin did the week before and uh, tweeted out the the data or the the data of showing it where Austin Dillon came up. And then I finally saw the uh, the actual replay uh, where Austin Dillon was absolutely in the wrong and came up a car, mm-hmm. a car length and a half to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he definitely wrecked himself. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was initially on the bandwagon of what in the world is Cendric thinking? Like, what is uh-huh. he doing? He just turned him on a straightaway because – from every angle that they showed initially, that's kind of what it looked like. But right, yeah, when you saw it later and you saw it slow down and you saw everything that was happening from a from the front, it was very clear. Austin right. Dillon coming up the track, and I know Austin Dillon probably to this day, even watching that, refuses to believe he actually did that, and he thinks that Cedric turned him. But that's not what happened. So that's not accurate. You know, this Austin on Austin violence um, needs to quit. i'll tell you like man everyone's talking about kyle's and how kyle's are hitting drywalls and stuff but i think austin's are kind of giving him a a run for his money uh a little bit kind of i think this was after the 600 but uh chase briscoe in the 14 team got hit with a major i think the biggest nascar penalty of all time yeah it was the uh greenhouse too wasn't it just like the hendrick guys got got hit with a couple weeks ago no, it wasn't the greenhouse. It was a counterfeit oh. uh, underwing. Yeah, yeah. Who, who got hit part. with the greenhouse? Somebody got hit with that recently, too. Green- yeah, it was the 43 of Eric okay. Jones. Okay, legacy, of course. Yeah, legacy. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we'll just, you know, hit two birds with one stone. Uh, starting off with 43, it's not that big of a deal, but uh, the 43 team has been issued an L1 level penalty for modification to the greenhouse. So an L1, think of it as... Level one, level two, level three. Level three is as high as you can Think go. of it as it's burns. A- First degree burn is yeah. a sunburn. You get over a third degree, that's some serious jump. Yeah. So the 43 team, uh, it looked like they had a modification to the greenhouse, which is, again, we kind of discussed when it happened to the Hendrick cars. The greenhouse is kind of the area inside the car where the driver sets. Um, the penalty for the 43 team. Uh, is a loss of 60 points and five NASCAR playoff points and uh, or to the driver and the owner. The crew chief has been fined $75,000 and suspended for the next two championship point events. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's kind of typical. You know, I don't – again, I don't know why people want to mess with the greenhouse. I don't think it's going to make that much uh, effect on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. But that 14, my goodness. <laughs> So they counterfeited uh, – counterfeited? Is that sure. the word? So they counterfeited a part of the underwing on the next-gen car, which is a massive no-no. Uh, the penalty for that team is a loss of 120 driver and owner points, which is massive, 25 playoff points, a six-race crew chief suspension, and a fine of 250 
you manipulate stuff, you're going to get slapped on the wrist, and you're going to get told stop, and you're going to get a little money taken away from you. You counterfeit junk, that's just too Oof. much. It's just way too yeah. much, and they, they're not going to take that lightly. And what's funny about it is uh, the 14 team did all this stuff with the counterfeit part in the 600. They ran last. <laughs> they were a lap down within like 30 laps, which is wild. So it's like, okay, well, it was I maybe mean, clearly no, they took working. it off before inspection, right? I mean, before race. I'm so honestly they put I'm on they put on something that they didn't practice with and they weren't ready for. You know, because I mean, that has to be it, right? I mean, that's why if you're taking off the cheater part and you're putting on a regular part and you're not set up with the regular part, you're set up with the cheater part. Then you're going to run like crap, right? So I, I I think that anyway. Yeah, I I don't know, but I, I don't think it was worth no. it. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, maybe that counterfeit part kind of broke on them or something happened. It did it did not do them any favor. So not only did you finish pretty much last in the race, they don't have very many points. But if you finish last, now I mean, there's no way like he's going to have to win. Like, well, I guess he could just win one race and beat qualified yeah, if he has to win but that pretty much guarantees I mean, he has to win right um oh my gosh and if th that 14 team is just not gonna they're win not nowhere near winning a race yeah. not even close now that whole organization is not really close in my opinion harvick has his shining moments but it's not it's not something to be like super spectacular yeah, about. harvick's consistent but he's not compete competing for wins it kind of like Chastain, like that's why Harvick's not a new points leader, I think. Right, and he was right behind Chastain. They were kind of, they're kind, they got, they kind of got similar seasons going on right now. You know, oh, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. In the sense that they're 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 competitively in the top ten, week in and week out, but yeah, you know, they're finishing the races. That's the big thing. They're finishing the races, but they're not competing for wins every week. They've competed for wins once or twice this year. But I mean, right, they have a very similar sure. races. They're similar seasons so far. Um, yeah. Well, real quick, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to go through a little couple notes, and then talk about Sonoma, and then we're going to get on out of here. Uh, first All thing, I want to talk about SkiMixers.com. Go check them out. We bought a we bought a big order today. We used the code, and it did not work because we had already used it. Oh. Once. So oh, you wow. get one use on the code. The code is Marbles. M-A-R-B-L-E-S at checkout. 10% off your first order. Check them out. Skinnymixes.com. All sorts of syrups, sugar-free and keto style for your coffee needs and um, cocktail needs and mocktails and all sorts of fun things and a bunch of flavors to choose from. Go, go check them out. Skinnymixes.com. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here on Pulling Up a Chair.
So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, But come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The kids are the kids are a bear. They are. Uh, but yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Before we talk about Sonoma, um, what do you think about the Le Mans thing happening right now? Um, I don't follow it. I know you've, the, I know you've seen the video though, right? Like you've seen some uh, of the, the video of the, the cup car practicing with Le Mans people. Uh, all I've seen video wise is them like revealing the car. I have not seen any video of the car on the racetrack, but I have also been super, super swamped today. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had a time to even look well, at my phone. Go to YouTube <laughs> and, uh, it for the last three days, there's been some video up of mm-hmm. the testing sessions. Cause I believe it starts, this is going to drop Saturday afternoon. I believe Le Mans actually starts as 24 hour race. No stopping change of drivers, but there's no, you're not stopping the race. The race is going right. to go. Um, you, uh, you have this, this race and I believe it starts Saturday, this Saturday, this weekend. Okay. And it ends Sunday afternoon, obviously like from Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. I believe it's this weekend because the fans are already there and they're all jam packed and they're testing like the last three days. So I assume it's this weekend. Forgive me if I don't know the, the Le Mans schedule. <laughs> That's not my thing, but it's interesting enough that a Hendrick car, an actual cup car with really just a couple modifications. It really isn't a whole lot of modification to the car. Um, they are out there and they are putting down fairly competitive lap times with everybody. Oh, that's good. Like you can tell they have the power because yeah, they might not have the cornering that all these like prototype cars do, but you could tell they got the power because coming off of the corner and halfway down a straight, they're keeping pace with them. You right. know, it's when they get towards the end, the high end that those guys are kind of starting to pull away a little bit. So, also, their pit crew, I think the, the Hendrick pit crew actually won a competition. They won a picker competition. Yeah, oh. in their class. Yeah, I think they were fourth overall and won a, won a competition for their class because they're in like a yeah. special class. It's I don't know. You have like different classes of racing and they're all racing on the race at, and, and on the track at the same time. This is in like this class that brings out new uh, like – no, it's not really prototype. Prototype is a different class altogether, but it's like a it's like a uh, experimental class, in a way, and that's what uh-huh. the cup car is being entered in. I guess I call it Garage Fifty Six. Oh. But I mean, it's it's going to compete in the overall race. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's going to compete at, for a finishing spot in the overall race, just like every everybody in every class will. Um, right. They're just they're not going to be in line with the prototypes. That are out there. And those are the traditional looking crazy, big boxy wide winged single cockpit 
Le Mans cars. You know, that's what a prototype car is. Yeah, you know, honestly, like, I don't follow Le Mans, so I I have really no dog in the fight. I don't really have an opinion. I think it's really cool that NASCAR-style race cars is competing in it, and especially with Hendrick Motorsports being a part of it, I thought that was really cool. Uh, the only takeaway I had of that was it, it looks like a NASCAR race mm-hmm. car, but the headlights actually work. Yeah. How wild is that? And uh, it's got fins down the side of it, too, on the rear end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looks like, um, I don't know what you call those, Transformer, like Optimus Prime or something. Yeah, an Autobot. Like, it looks like it's going to. Yeah. yeah, it looks like it's going to transform into like a <laughs> robot here soon. So it looks pretty cool, and I, I wish them all the that's, luck. You that's know? what NASCAR I, needs to do is get a dang endorsement deal with Transformers. You imagine right. a field <laughs> full of Autobots racing around there like that and transforming oh. and fighting and stuff? Oh my but they'd have to come back uh, to the race to see who's going to win when they're done fighting. Well, keep, <laughs> keep it away from Noah Gregson because his head's been bounced away, you know, bounced around a little bit too much in the last couple month, you know, month or so. So uh, keep it away from Noah Gregson, and I think we'll be okay. But um, how, did you uh, kind of going back to the NASCAR thing? Uh, NASCAR Street, um, what is it? NASCAR Street race setup supplies. Mm-hmm. So pretty much in Chicago for the Chicago Street course in a couple weeks. I think next week, right? No. A couple weeks from now, I, um, I, I don't know off the top of my head exactly what weekend it is. They're pretty much they're they're on site and they're trying to start you know building the stands and and whatever they're doing. And I guess uh, some of the machines have been stolen already. Uh, if you can, if that's hard to believe for you, then it's I don't just know. what we've been talking about the entire time. They talked about having a street race in Chicago. It's uh, you know, I mean, all the expensive equipment ain't even there yet. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, you kind of had to see it coming. I know. Right. Just, oh my gosh. Like, but I I will say about that. Like if that's the biggest storyline that, you know, we're going to have during the week of this race, I will be, I'll take that over anything. Um, I just, I don't know why the closer it gets, just the more I'm starting to get way bad feeling about it. And I, I know everyone's like, well, you know, there's sports teams in Chicago and all this stuff, but this is different. This is way different. This has never happened before. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. If there's a NASCAR race in my hometown on my streets that I use every single day and that now I have to make a detour or I have to walk around 16 blocks, you know, to get wherever I'm going, I'm going to be a little upset too. So uh, hopefully, you know, nothing. Hopefully that's the worst that it is you know, for the race. Yeah. Well, at least these things happen on the, on the weekend where like it, it's usually runs through business districts and stuff like that. And there's not a whole lot going on right. down there on the weekends, you know, but yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Uh, let's, let's go into Sonoma a little bit. I know you got to get out of here. Yeah, um, you're good. Full disclosure. We are recording on Friday night. This will be up Saturday afternoon because there's no way I'm going to edit this on Friday night. I will edit this when I get off work and Friday or Saturday Late afternoon, it will be up and ready for you to listen to before the race on Sunday. Yes. This weekend is uh, Sonoma. We talked about uh, Noah Gregson being a little out of it. Well, he has been deemed uh, not fit to compete this weekend. Right. We, I have, we, we have a local boy from my neck of the woods. Yeah, I was going to ask you about cup that. Cup debut. He raced 
He's a product of Sunny South Raceway, which is in Grand Bay, Alabama, just maybe uh, it's almost on the Mississippi line in southern Alabama, right across I-10. And I've been there once. I've actually raced on that track. Well, I drove on that track once, and it started raining. It was a practice session. Oh. And it started raining, and they called it a practice session. But that was going to be my first time running on asphalt. I got two or three good laps in it, and it started raining. I was like, crap. But I had never run on asphalt before then. And he got his start, and he uh, cut his teeth there. It's a tight little, like, one-fifth-mile bull ring asphalt racetrack. And I think he's from Fairhope, Alabama, which is just right across the bay from that. If you look at Alabama and you look at the bottom of it, there's this, like, little body. It looks like, a, looks like two, two tiny little legs or feet off the bottom of it, and there's a – body of water that goes right up the middle of it. That's the Mobile Bay. It goes right up the middle of those yeah. two little feet on the on the bottom of the state. That's across the bay. Like Sunny South is on, oh. if you're looking at the map, Sunny South on the left side of the bay. And then if you cross the bay, that's going to be like Daphne, Fairhope, all that. That's where he lives. Grand Infinger. Oh, so wow. It's, I mean, this is literally, we're talking about 45 minutes to an hour away from my house. You know, so it's really cool to see somebody that you knew raced locally down here, finally get a good shot. And I think this area is making a lot of people all of a sudden. Have you noticed that? I mean, I know I can think two right off the top of my head is going to be in this race this, this weekend with Bubba Wallace and, um, Grant Infinger. You know, it's, it's the biggest takeaway for me about Grant Infinger is that he's been in the sport of NASCAR for so long. And it's wild to me to think that he hasn't made a cup series debut. Mm -hmm. It's really wild, but I, I'm a big fan of Grant Infinger. I actually just watched him uh, win the Kansas race uh, just a few weeks ago. And um, if anybody wants to support that uh, race-winning diecast, I think it's struggling a little bit to yeah. make uh, numbers. And I, especially me, since I was there and I already put my pre-order in because I was at the event, I, that's the only time I collect diecasts is if I was at the event. So uh, he had a beautiful paint scheme. It was like red, white, and blue. And um, it's definitely a, a kind of special paint scheme. So uh, if you guys want that diecast, go to Lionel Racing right now and click the race wins and go find it and uh, pre-order it. Cool thing about Lionel Racing is that you don't have to have the money up front. Uh, you'll get charged when the, the item starts to ship out. So you have nine... 10 months to to get i don't know the 100 bucks it was to to purchase it so uh definitely go check that out yeah maybe this him starting this weekend will do something for that oh i maybe hope maybe so. it'll draw a little more attention to it I, I wish you know we talked about this uh well i don't say we talked about it, i guess but they talked about it i listened on the fully postable podcast about the nitro ring or the nitro stage mm -hmm. That yeah. didn't get funded, and it got pushes every time they would actually show it and promote it. They only did it twice, or maybe even once, on TV. I think it was yeah. once on NXT. Why don't they do that with Lionel Racing? I don't I know. I feel like there's a bunch of NASCAR fans out there that don't realize that you can get 124th scale uh, elite race win versions of these cars on your own. I feel like a bunch of people, yeah. you have to go to these specialty stores or the racetrack themselves to find these things. And that's not the case. Right. If they would just promote it a little bit, 
on a NASCAR broadcast, I, it, I don't understand why they're not doing that. Yeah, I don't know either. It's honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre to me that you wouldn't, you know, I mean, obviously we try to do our best to spread the word. I I'm obsessed with diecast cars and uh, it's, like Christmas morning when I get one, my Bubba Wallace race version diecast car from 2022 Kansas win should be here by the end of the month. And I'm really, really stoked about it. And I got the hail mail in one six four scale this week. It yeah. came in the mail this week. I haven't tweeted a whole lot about it because I'm being completely honest. I'm not quite thrilled with it. Like it's okay. You know, you, you got the scratches down the side of it and all that, just like the car did. And that's that's fine. I was kind of hoping, I guess, that they would have more of a specific mold to the car. I understand if they don't want to spend the money on a specific mold for that one car. But that's they it's it's like anything else. Right. If you have a mold, right. you're going to get a mold that you're going to be able to make several cars with. Not just one particular one. And if they do have it, then that means that that one particular car is going to be really expensive. It's like when Action made the crash car from Dale Earnhardt in the 97 Daytona 500 where he rolled it down the back straightaway and kept yeah. going. They yeah. made the, the fenders all damaged up and the the roof was like flat and the spoiler was flat where it had rolled over, but all the tires were up, so he kept driving it around under caution. Yeah. They made that car, but that car, like, Back when diecasts were like $50, $55 for new, new, new elite style diecast, they yeah. they made that car over $200. Oh, for sure. Because that mold was never going to be used again. I actually have the, uh, oh, what? Oh, I'm drawing a blank, but the 164. It, the winter circle. Well, it's, uh, it's a special finish. It's like all grayed out. What am I? color not color chrome oh it might be color chrome uh but it's it's that die cast oh, cool. uh, but it's 164 cool deal. i'll have to send you a picture of it tomorrow morning when i get off break. i have the 164 scale of that crash car from winter circle uh, oh and okay. i just opened it not too long ago too because uh out there in in my shed i noticed that some of these cars were the the actual cardboard and the bubble and stuff like that were starting to deteriorate so I was like, okay, well, I'll just open them. And there was a bunch of Earnhardt cars, so I just opened them up. I think I had a Peter Max car. Yeah. I had a, I had the Crash car. Um, I had a few of them that I'd opened up like yeah. that. But, yeah, I mean, and hopefully here pretty soon we'll be digging through this shed even deeper, and I'll find a lot more of my cars, and I'll be able to put them out and display them. But, yeah. So we're talking about that cast so much. Um, I know. <laughs> Let's talk about Sonoma. You got any okay. specific memories from watching Sonoma races in the past? Uh, 2015, Kyle Busch, after he broke his uh, leg and his opposite foot, uh, coming back after missing 11 races, came back to Sonoma where he outran Kurt Busch, who ran second. Um, that was kind of the that that was the win that he needed, but he went on to win uh, what? Kentucky and uh, Indy and just a couple more before the playoffs. That was a really 
cool race because you knew how much agonizing pain that Kyle Busch was in. But just seeing the grit and the determination to win that race, it was a stellar race, and it's probably my favorite Sonoma race I've ever seen on TV, obviously. I've got a couple things that I remember. Uh, Tony Stewart's last win came at Sonoma. Oh, that yeah. One, that was a thrilling last lap pass on Denny Hamlin. Fantastic. And uh, actually, it was all Hamlin messing up, too, in the last corner. Yeah. And, and Tony just bulldozed his way around him. He he wasn't going yep, sure to take no once. The Hamlin went wide like that. He was like, no, oh, well. <laughs> if you, yeah. you wreck yourself, you wreck yourself. I'm going. Um, before the track layout changed a little bit, because uh, Lord knows they've changed his track layout three or four times. Right. I remember Davey Allison winning a race. He got uh, spun out by Ricky Rudd mm-hmm. uh, coming to the white flag, uh, but Allison kept second. But Rudd went on to take the checker, but instead of taking the checker, he took a black. <laughs> he took yeah. the black flag and got disqualified because he spun out Davey oh. Allison. <laughs> and Davey oh, Allison wound up winning the race. Um, it's always two boats, two or two fans, two two boats with that as far as the fans go. You're either like diehard Davy fans, like you're dang right, he should have been black flagged. He spun this dude out yeah. on purpose. And then everybody else is like, No, I've never seen anybody get black flagged for spinning somebody out on the last lap. <laughs> right. Uh, it's it was a little bit so sure. controversial, but hey, Davy won. I, I like Davy. I like Rudd too, but I like Rudd enough because he didn't take nothing from anybody. Not he, a thing. Man, that dude was tough. He's that's one of the toughest guys in NASCAR. Just period. I, I swear. But um, what's your thoughts on this weekend? Who, who, who do you think we need to look at? Uh, Definitely Daniel Suarez. I was really... I don't like Daniel Suarez. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. But uh, right now, I'm desperate in the Fantasy Cup, so I, I definitely went with what I know, and I know Daniel Suarez is good at Sonoma. He obviously won last season. I really didn't think with the way like, like even earlier in the the episode we were talking about how track house is just it seems like they're not clicking um so i really thought it was a safe bet that i was going to be the only one that was going to pick daniel suarez and as soon as i posted i posted my pick right off the bat and it was like four other people <laughs> were like daniel suarez and i'm like oh no well that was my you know chance to get some you know points that nobody else was going to get so um I think Daniel Suarez. I think uh, for some reason I feel like Chase Elliott also is someone to probably watch out for. Kyle Busch knows how to get it done mm-hmm. everywhere, uh, especially Sonoma, as I talked about, alluded to in 2015. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot of people that I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, doubt that would get the job done. But I think honestly, if I'm being completely realistic, mark my words, Kyle Larson's probably going to win this race. I, I like the idea of Chase Elliott coming back from a suspension and winning this. It, I mean, it feels like, like that's going to happen. I mean, come on now, you know, like uh, Sonoma is the racetrack to to make a statement. You know, <laughs> like I alluded to for the third time this episode in five minutes, Kyle Busch doing it in twenty fifteen. Uh, this is this is definitely a redemption racetrack, and you can get it done if you need to. Um, with uh. With Chase Elliott, did you see that they had to uh, appeal for another uh, waiver so they could still make the chase? Or the yeah, 
I don't and know. They're not going to get this one. You don't no, think so? There, there's no I way. I mean, hurting your leg and something is one thing, but when you hook somebody like that at right. that track, at that speed and that spot on purpose, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll accept our penalty. We'll apply for a waiver so we can still make the chase or, I'm sorry, the playoffs. No, that's no. Mm-mm. Especially yeah. when you've already been I, given one this year. I would absolutely love to see that NASCAR is going to say, no, you're not going to get a waiver. But honestly, seeing what, and I forgot who the quote came from, but someone from NASCAR who was on the appeal, I don't know if they were appeal panel or whatever the, the case may be, but somebody from NASCAR was quoted by saying, yeah, we really hated having to suspend chase elliott for that incident and we hate it for the whole organization but we have to do what we have to do i was like oh no i think that was more the fans saying hey (laughs) we're gonna seriously riot if if you don't suspend them so i think the fans kind of put nascar in a situation where they had to do something but i feel like if it wasn't as um i don't I, i feel like if it wasn't as talked about maybe NASCAR would have swept it under the rug, but I 100% feel like NASCAR is going to grant him a waiver for this. I really hope he, I really hope they don't because man, a lot of fans are sitting here saying, you know, the relationship between Rick Hendrick or uh, Hendrick motorsports and, and NASCAR, you know, goes hand to hand, you know, a little bit money under the table, whatever the case may be. But uh, if they really want to put all those to, to rest, they would definitely deny him a waiver for the playoffs, you know, Go out and do what Kyle Busch did in 2015 for the fourth time I mentioned it. Uh, Go out and win the next five races. You know, you work at Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, if there's any team out there in NASCAR Cup Series that can win the next five races, it's going to be Hendrick. And it's going to be really fun to see if Rick Hendrick's going to put a lot of effort in that nine car to, to ensure a couple wins to make sure that they do get into the playoffs, whether they get a waiver this time or not. I, I, I really hope they do not get the waiver. Same. But I hope it doesn't get decided until after they win a couple times. Exactly. So then it's just that much more depressing. Um, but we need to get out of here. It's uh, yes. getting late. We got an hour long show going right now. So let's uh, let's get this done and go watch Sonoma. One thing I will say before we start getting into the drafting, uh, the podcast drafting partners is uh, everybody's saying that at the beginning of the year, Kyle Busch moving to RCR from Joe Gibbs Racing was not a good idea. Check this out. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing in 2023, out of all four drivers, only has three cup wins. Kyle Busch alone in RCR has three <laughs> cup wins. So I don't want to hear any of that. <laughs> I never thought it was a bad idea. I thought that it was an interesting idea. Right. I, but I felt like uh, it was a good match. I you did know. too. I had my hopes up, and it's not been uh, it's not been disappointing. And also, before we get out of here, uh, Jody had a secret question for you, but we are going to hold off, and we're going to talk about that next time or next week on episode sixty one. Sorry, Jody, you're awesome, and I really appreciate you sending us questions. But I I am going to take the lead on this one. I'm a little rushed on time tonight. <laughs> yeah, and on top of that, next week will probably be off, be a little better. Uh, yeah. I don't have any uh, summer activities going on at the first part of next week. So we could probably knock something out earlier in the week next week. So right. hopefully anyway. Uh, real quick, let's go through the, uh, the podcast drafting partners. Just going to kind of run down the list. Uh, Fully Postable Wrestling Figure Podcast are having their Hall of Fame episode yes. this weekend. Um, you know, guys, I can 
I can uh, induct a figure once in a while. You know, you keep asking everybody else to do. It. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. I could do it too, but that's fine. Um, Drunk wrestling <laughs> history as well. It's a side project of uh, Scott from that show. Really good show. Uh, doing the favorite with Eric and Barry. You can go listen to their uh, back catalog of episodes. I guess they're still up. Do they ever take stuff like that down? I don't know. It's been a little while since they posted. But um, yeah. Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, that's a, a really fun one. Not every single week, but pretty consistently. They're always talking about something, some random show or some rivalry or, or a match or something. It's, it's always fun to see what they're talking about. Howling with the Wolf and uh, also the art of Jason Wolf and all his custom custom Hasbro style figures and glue figures and things like that. I got a few coming myself. Uh, Magic and the Mouse um, as a Disney World podcast. Uh, go check out some of their back catalog as well. And uh, who you got, Ethan? Yeah, this kind of sucks because I, I there's a couple podcasts uh, that I really wanted to kind of go a little bit in depth with, but obviously we can't do it this time. But uh, as always, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Uh, go listen to the archives of You Know It's Fake, right? Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel with Brian Breaker and Daniel Cross. TV Toycast with Brian Breaker and um, kind of a fill-in permanent, somewhat permanent, mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Toon. Jeff Toon's going to step in while Travis is is uh, trying to get his stuff back in order. Uh, they talked about Saturday Night Live figures. And let me just say this really fast. I had no idea this even existed. And I listened to this uh, this episode twice because I was it was so entertaining. I thought, I mean, of course I miss Travis Fowler 100%. He's my buddy, and I love hearing him on the TV Toycast. But uh, I don't think there's anybody else better than Jeff Toon to fill in while Travis is away. Uh, that episode was uh, fantastic. I'm not. I'm not very uh, happy with Brian Breaker and Jeff Toon because they both said, uh, the, um, "Oh my gosh, I can't even think of the name now." Uh, superstar, Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yeah, it, Do you know what yeah, I'm talking I know about? Who you're talking about? But I don't. There ain't oh. no way I could name her. No. Yeah, I. Uh, I think it's Molly Stanley or Molly. Sh Molly, Molly Shannon. Shannon. Yes. Ma Molly Shannon. I love her. She's so fantastic. Uh, I love Superstar. I love the Mary Catherine Gallagher gimmick. Uh, big, big fan of that. Also, Pat, um, really fast, and I'm going way too in depth on this, but uh, I don't know if it's a Kansas thing, but uh, that was like a, a really big insult when I was growing up. Is like if you if a girl in grade school you know, got a little bit of a weird haircut, you know, Pat was her name for, for a while. And, you know, same goes for, I guess, guys, but, um, love Pat. And I wish so much that there would be an, a Pat action figure. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but, uh, moving on, we also got no holds barred with Bill Venus. Uh, you heard the commercial earlier. Go check out tales from the estate with drew and Caitlin with cameos from Morocco and Cole. Uh, like Tales from the Estate, you also heard Pulling Up a Chair with our friend Tim at a Chair Shots commercial. Go check that one out as well. Stolen Gimmicks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Joe and Jordan over there hitting everything. They're starting to really find their voices. Uh, I think they just released episode, I think it was 16 or 18, something like that. Uh, really enjoying that. Also, Revenant Up with Brian Hebner. Three Brew, a little bit of Three Brew podcast with Brian Tyler and AJ. Uh, kind of wanted to go in depth with that one as well, but I am, like I said, running really, really uh, rushed tonight. Love that podcast. I am really digging it. I love how uh, Ryan and AJ are still big time in me on Twitter. I followed all three of those, including their show uh, accounts, and and Tyler is the only one. 
that has followed me back. So, <laughs> and, but we've been following each other for a long time now. So thanks Ryan and AJ for big time in me. Uh, <laughs> Lionel racing, the official diecast producer of NASCAR also has a podcast authenticated the diecast collectors podcast. And that is all I got. Big underscore Bane, new music this week. Go check him out. Yes. Um, Blood on the Stilettos. Yes. Really, really cool oh. song. I, I, I dug Love it. it. I, I listened to it for the first time this morning. Um, please rate and review and follow us on all the social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram at Pod, And you can find us on Facebook as well. You can also email the show at InTheMarblesPod at gmail.com. Go to watermaneuver.net and you can search by store. Click on In The Marbles. You can find our t-shirts. SkinnyMixes.com. Use code MARBLES for 10% off at uh, checkout. And... I guess that's it. You got anything you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, I I apologize for this episode. Might sound very rushed <laughs> because it absolutely is. Um, just timing here lately has just not been our friend. Uh, with summer being out, we, we both have kiddos at home that needs attention and, and you know ball practices and stuff like that, uh, including with me going from – day shift hours from seven to four. Now I'm going overnights from 10 to seven. Everything is very, very chaotic. So I do apologize if this uh, episode sounds very rushed. Uh, hopefully in the future, it won't be as rushed. But uh, other than that, as always, peace, love, and all the above. And I hope we have a really good race in Sonoma this weekend. And uh, we'll see you next time in the Marbles. <laughs>